0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play
1: for free right
0: now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: All right. Talk Recorded live. Uh, hello, this is Michael. Uh, once again, it's Old Religion Dystopia, Knowing versus Belief. and uh, I got uh, a very interesting gentleman, and he has a very interesting story. Um, and, uh, um, because we talked, first time I ever talked was, was last week. Um, and, uh, his name is Randall. He's from, uh, North Carolina and he has one heck of a story. And, um, uh, Randall, I I don't, we, I'm just going to let you share your story. I, I, I'm, I'm grateful for you, but uh, joining me, um, and like I said earlier, I, I don't want to do this some kind of exploitation type of thing. So, um, but uh, after listening to you, there, you have a, a very important story and message, um, even some physical evidence, and um, and an answer to all this too. So and so, this is uh, also for other people that have gone through similar experiences as Randall, uh, and of course not myself and others, and it. Uh, I guess I should just shut up. How are how you, you doing this evening anyway?
2: I'm doing good, Michael. I appreciate your time. Um, uh, this is the first time I've ever done anything like this. Uh, you know, you and I just spoke for the first time uh, one night last week. I think it was Thursday, if I remember correctly. And it's, uh, I guess the main thing I contacted you with uh, about is, if well, not the main thing per se, but uh, if there's anyone out there who has any clue about what I'm about to tell, has seen anything, listen to the details very carefully because, uh, you know, I this is one way I, I decide whether I really believe a story because, as the old saying goes, the devil's in the details. Uh-huh. Somebody gives you a vague description of anything, whether it's a car wreck, um, you know, uh, a, an encounter with an old lover, or whatever. You, know, <laughs> The devil is in the details. When when something actually happens to you, uh, it's like it burns into your memory, and it's there, and I don't know anything other than Alzheimer's that could ever take it away.
1: Uh, <laughs> but I can, well, I'll tell you what, I'll make sure that Duke... Uh, gets a copy of this and Kat, and I'm sure between please, the two of them they'll have an, uh, they'll have an answer. I wouldn't be surprised if Duke wants to interview you as well, because it's a heck okay. of a story. So
2: Well, um I have never spoken uh, to either one of you. I I've never taken the story to anybody. Now the, the members of my family, um, the old well let's say the older members of my family, um, you know, know all about it. Uh my oldest daughter does um my youngest daughter is you know she's very inquisitive on a few things like this and but she's only 10 at the time or right now so i haven't really you know told her too much about it but um uh knowing her i could guarantee i could just about tell her anything and she hmm, okay cool you know <laughs> the other one you know i start, started her off a little earlier but um you know she wound up having bad dreams and whatnot so we used up on that for a few years but uh anyway um now you stop me at any time interject whatever you want to because you know like i told you man i can talk you know i was well let's
1: just just offer it up keep talking i think you got a heck of a story and so okay and people need to hear it so
2: all right well here it goes um I'm fifty one years old. Uh, I'm a cabinet maker by trade uh, so I' you know I'm not into any of this, you know, it's like I told Michael the other day I, this isn't for fun, it isn't for profit I've asked for nothing I, I will not ask for anything um but I come from a very, very heavy uh, Christian background, and when I say that, I don't mean in a domineering you know, by the book way, uh, what I mean is, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, is my Lord and Savior, period. He sustains me from the breath that's in my lungs. He carries me day to day. Uh, I do not beat people in the head with it. um, But if you want to know, I've I've been charged to tell you. Uh, That being said, what I'm about to tell you is 100% true. You can believe it or not, that has no bearing on me whatsoever. But I will tell you when this is over with, everything you've heard will be the honest God truth. Um, If I wasn't there for something, I'll tell you I wasn't there for something. Uh, The things that I witnessed, I will tell you flat out I witnessed it. Um, I do not drink. I do not uh, partake in any form of drugs um, other than ibuprofen. But uh, because I am getting old, I'm 51. But um, anyhow, uh, I was born in 66. Um, this started. Uh, I'm gonna say in 72 or 73, or when I was old enough to understand. Now, my grandfather, my dad's father, um, for some reason or another, I was completely enamored with him from the, the moment I understood who exactly he was, I'm going to say it around three or four. And I longed to be with my grandfather. I had the most wonderful parents in the world. And I don't want the story to seem like, well, they were dumping me off on my parents, on my grandparents at the weekend because they weren't. Um, I just lived to be around this man. He never went anywhere without a Bible in his hand. Uh, He told me, at the time, I didn't understand, you know, the Bible stories and whatnot. I was just learning, but he was forevermore telling me the stories in the Bible. Um, He had a great love for the Old West. He would go out, and I don't even know if I told you this or not, Michael, but um, him and my grandmother would go two or three times a year out west and stay a month. And he would uh you know, go out there looking for old gold mines and stuff like that. He was pretty prosperous at it. I mean he would you know, he would find some nice items. But um
1: Sounds like a very good. interesting man, a very interesting oh,
2: man. man. Uh to you know, a child with an adventurous nature, you know, this, this man's like Indiana Jones, you know. And uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this, man. Um in cabinet making and saws and stuff, uh, you know, cuts, nice cuts are or, you know, they come with the territory. Uh one of my first recollections of this man was when I was small, he cut himself uh cut his hand pretty bad. And he sewed his own hand up. Wow. And <laughs> I watched him do it and that so Ooh. impressioned my mind. Uh that later on in life, you know, um, I was probably about sixteen, and I'd got cut out in the shop, and I thought, you know, a pop can do it. I can do it, and and I <laughs> cleaned that wound up, and to this day, I've sewn myself up seven times. And um, <laughs> but he was just, you know, he didn't do it to, you know, see people squirm or something. This was just, you know, he came out of the depression uh, where you have nothing. Uh, or whatever you had was gone. It was somebody else's now, and you didn't know who that person was. And, buddy, you were tough beyond belief. Um, they did not believe in banks, or he didn't. Uh, he saved every penny he made, and, you know, he put it under the mattress or his little hidey hole wherever he had it. And, I mean, he died a very wealthy man, uh, not a millionaire, but there wasn't much he couldn't, you know go in that house, you know, and before he had his little hidey hole lit and pull out cash money and pay for it, he paid for everything, cash money from his cars, houses, rental property, whatever, all cash money. But anyway, I'm kind of getting off the track, but I'm um, kind of filling you in. But, um, anyway, uh, I was just completely enamored with this man. And every Friday night I was the only grandchild at the time I was the oldest. Um, you know, they would come down to the house, uh, I'm going to say around four thirty five o'clock. o'clock. Um, you know, in the earlier years, I wasn't in school yet. But they would pick me up, uh, stay all weekend, dote on me all weekend. And, you know, I just loved it, just loved it. And, you know, he and I, we'd we done everything together on the weekends, whenever we're together on the weekends, and he told me his heart on everything. So uh, one night... Um, I did not witness this, as I was saying, I'll tell you, um, he had two or three sheds on the outside of his house and they heated with wood and, uh, he went out one night, um, and this is him telling me the first time this part happened, but, uh, he took his flashlight out there, you know, going to get up on full of kindling and whatnot and, um, he shined the flashlight, turned it on uh, a couple times. I don't know if it was something malfunctioning or whatever, but he noticed. And he—I'll just use the terminology he—they call them UFOs now, and you know, extraterrestrial, whatever. He called them saucers. Uh, this thing come almost immediately above his two-story house. Um, he had no fear of it. Uh, I, honest to God, I don't know of anything I ever seen the man have fear over. Mm. Um, but he came back in and he told us about it. Well, the next night we go out there, and uh, you know it was kind of like, well, listen, it happened last night. Let's see if it happens again. You know, kind of deal. And he would take his flashlight. It was one of these old Rayovacs. It had the the big rectangle body on it. Uh, it held a, one of the big nine volt batteries. I think they're. Uh-huh. Uh, had about a four inch round lens on the front, you know, and had a carry handle on it, kind of like a lunchbox, old style lunchbox handle. But he would take that thing, Michael, and he would uh, he would point it straight up in the air and flick the light on three or four times. And he would say, now this is what happened last night, you know, and before you know it, uh, we were standing there looking up at the starry sky, you know, and I was, uh, I was maybe six or seven then somewhere around in there, uh and you would see these, the stars out there. And all of a sudden you would see these, not all of them, but maybe three or four of them heading your way. Now they huh. weren't, they weren't screaming fast, you know, at high speed, you could just see them getting closer and closer and closer. And uh, when it was over with me, I'm going to guess, uh, maybe three or four minutes had passed. um, they would be over the house. Uh, I, I'm picturing in my mind's eye, uh, and I've seen these so many times, it, it, it got to the point it wasn't even fun anymore. You know, it's kind of like cutting grass, you know. You're so sick <laughs> to ride that mower the first few times, but after a while you figure out, hey, <clears> this <throat> fork, it ain't fun, you know. But um, this thing would probably be 100, 120 feet across. Um, a dull shine to it. Um, we were just looking directly at the bottom of it, and it would maybe be 50, 75 foot off the top of the house. You know, just sitting there hovering, absolutely no sound whatsoever. Um, Sometimes some of them would have flashing lights in a circle. Sometimes they would be red, uh, multicolored. Um, Sometimes the lights would stay on for a while. Sometimes they would stay on uh, for just a few seconds and go back out. But either way, they were so close, you could see everything. Now, that being said, I never saw anyone inside. I never saw windows. Um, Now, it was probably at the vantage point of how I was looking at it because I'm standing there looking directly straight up. So I'm looking at the bottom of this thing. I saw nothing that looked like an entrance or an exit or a hatch of any kind. Um, and when they would come down, they would come down in that that pattern. Uh, when they would go back up, they would go up in the same way. Um, hmm. Now, they, were they they, they were the,
1: all so- all saucers?
2: I mean, do you yes. have a
1: picture a picture or something that?
2: You know, I could. Well. You, you've got to think about when this was, too. You know, this is back in um, the early
1: well, no, I went Not necessarily from you, but if, is there a picture online that looks kind oh, of close to
2: them? I'm sure I could find one, but I could sit and sketch you out everything. Um, All right. You know, in great detail, what I saw. Oh, now, I, believe I, was, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. If I was looking at it from maybe, say, a 30 degree angle, if it was coming in from a 30 degree angle, Uh, where I could see the edge of this thing. Uh, maybe there would have been windows or, or, you know, the ability to see something that was inside of it, but they would come almost, you know, at a 90 degree angle straight down. Mm. So this was one of those huh moments, you know, the first time I saw it, uh, I don't remember being scared at all. Um, I attribute that, uh, Probably a lot to being out there with who I was with who I was with uh, and, you know, under the, the feeling that he wouldn't there's nothing he would ever let happen to me. Okay. Uh, I didn't understand at the time the full implications of Christ. I knew who Jesus was, I you know, from, you know, going to church and this and that. But I, I did not hold the ramifications in my mind that there is nothing more powerful than Christ. Uh,
1: going through this this kind of stuff uh makes it quite clear
2: yeah but he did and i'm sure that's why he felt no more fear than he did so um this is uh this is on a saturday night um i had to go back sunday you know um they took me home next weekend just like clockwork here they showed up again and um you know picked me up we go home and eat dinner and he's like hey you want to go back out there and uh (laughs) <laughs> you know, see if we can. Sure. So uh, this time, uh, we got us a couple lounge chairs, the old uh, aluminum lounge chairs with the nylon strapping on it. We kicked back, and he said, "Well, here goes nothing." You know, so he flicks his light, and there was no really no uh, set time. Um, I'm going to guess this was around eight thirty, quarter to nine. Uh, you know, we kicked back, and had us a couple Coca Colas out there, and he flicks the light, and a few minutes here they come, and I want to say when they were hovering over the house, um, they would move back and forth ever so slightly. You know, it's just like they're hovering left to right, forward to back. You know, it just wasn't like they were frozen time, um, okay. but they were. You know, and this would go on. Uh, thinking back now, till probably what it seems like until we didn't get interested anymore, until you had got enough of seeing the elephant at the zoo, you know. Sure. And you know, and then they would they would kinda take off slowly and go away. It weren't like on the movies where we were waving bye, see you later, you know, we just sit there and watch. And I don't know how high they would get up, but they would get up about to the point where um, they maybe look like the size of a dime in the sky and then they would take off. Now, it wasn't a blistering speed. Uh, they didn't phase out, you know, or anything. Uh, they would just take off really fast, and that would be the it. Um, but this went on. Um, man, he was bringing neighbors around. <laughs> uh you know we would sit out there. his best friend uh across the street his name was hoop i don't remember if that was his real name or that was just his nickname but i always called him or heard him called hoop but um me and hoop and him and his wife and some of the other klutzes down the street they would come up and we would sit there and pop say well here to come you know and uh <clears throat> you know he'd flick his flashlight and You know, here they would come. He even tried different flashlights, and, you know, that didn't seem to have a bearing on it. They, you know, still showed up anyway. But this was so prevalent that uh, the neighbors weren't even, you know, they didn't really care anymore. They saw them so much. Um, But before I tell you the other part, I'll tell you this one part. Um, This was, I'm going to say around, if I remember correctly, probably... Uh, seventy four, seventy five. Um, we just got into his house. Uh, it was in the winter time, so it got dark around five, uh, five thirty or so. But my grandmother was in there, you know, cooking dinner, and um, you know, we were just talking over a few things, you know, and, uh, mostly about we're we going outside tonight. Yeah, you know, blah blah blah. Um, you know, we're going to bundle up; it's cold. And the telephone rings. Well, they didn't have but one telephone there. And it was in the den. Um, so my grandmother stepped out of the kitchen into the den and answered it. And she hollered in there, Pop, is Hoop. You know, so he got up from the table and come over. We was just sitting there chatting. And I hear him in there, uh-huh, yeah, really. All right, I'll be there in a minute. Don't move. I'll be there in a minute. Now, <laughs> uh, Hoop lived across the street from my grandparents. And, if you, He had a pretty nice-sized backyard, but when you got out of the backyard, you went into a little patch of woods, maybe 30 yards, 40 yards through. It was just a little stand of woods. On the other side of those, he had a, a pretty nice two- or three-acre pond. Um, we fished in it quite a bit. Uh, directly on the other side of the pond, it went up the hill. Um, not, We don't live in a mountainous region, but it's a hilly region. And this probably went up about 50 yards, and when you got to the very top of it, it was a bald opening area. And Pop come in there, and I, I knew it had something to do with the saucers, by the way he was talking and to who he was talking to. I said, what's going on, Pop? And uh, he looked at my grandmother, and he said, Mama, I got to go. He said, uh, Hoop just saw one land uh, on top of the hill behind his house. And um, I'm just all right. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, No, 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 no. You're not going anywhere. He said, He called me, boy. He said, Boy, he said, I I ain't so sure about this. And he said, You stay here with mom. And oh, my gosh, you know, I'm just in, uh, I'm beside myself. I'm squalling up a storm wanting to go. And, you know, he grabbed his flashlight and his gun. And, you know, he headed out the front door across the street. And, you know, well, Uh, It seems like I'm going to, I guess, about an hour later, he comes back and he's, you know, he's kind of quiet. And my grandmother said, Pop, you all right? He said, that was the most amazing thing I have ever seen in my life. Hmm. And they had crossed over around the pond, come up the hill, you know, through the woods. And there this thing was hovering, he says, about two or three feet off the ground, making no noise. Uh, seems like he said there was a few lights on it. But he, he if he did see anything inside of it, he took it to his grave. I, I, I don't think he would have. This man told me everything. I mm-hmm. mean, absolutely everything. And... Uh, you know, he would he, he described it as a dull shine, uh, about a hundred foot across. Um, and those two he said they weren't scared a bit. They stood there, he said um that he knew in his heart they knew he was there, you know, watching. There was no type of a uh of an abduction or anything like that. They just stood there and witnessed this thing. And Pop said it was kinda like um stepping up the game you know, okay, now you've seen me over your house, now I'm really going to let you get a good look at me. And now he would tell, uh, I don't know if you remember or not, um, back in the late 70s, and I've heard him recall this time and again, uh, I'm pretty sure it was the late 70s, early 80s, when Billy Meyer first started, um, you know, telling his tale. Do you know who I'm talking about?
1: Yes and no. I, I, just, I
2: think he's a, a Swede. Uh, oh yes yes, was, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um yeah. he has um uh several clear very clear photographs uh of a sideway angled uh you know looking at a side side view of it um they they look like two silver, you know, saucers put together with a little top on it. Uh I I heard him remark in later years uh once he you know he had saw those pictures that that was almost identical to what him and Hoop had saw that night really um but like i said there was uh, or if you ever see the picture of um oh uh, what's it? now remember i did not witness this one um he he wouldn't let me go
0: uh-huh. but
2: uh, uh, what's his name out in arizona uh he worked for Area Fifty One. He said he was working on the sport model or saw the sport model. Um, oh, Gosh, what's his name? Yeah, I know who you're talking about, but but he it's has. Been, it's
1: been so long since I've, I've been involved or you know researched
2: yeah. uh, UFOs. You know what I mean? So, well, but I know who you're talking about. Brain. Well, he's he has several he's, computer enhanced pictures that uh, somebody done up for him in Photoshop. Now he never claimed those were the real photographs, but he claims this is as close. Uh, to what it actually looked like as a photograph, or he called it the sport model. Um, but um, you can find those online everywhere if I can think of his name here, but I'm sure you know your listeners know exactly who I'm talking about. Gosh, Blonde man. hair, big thick glasses, slim guy. Um, did, he used to work, did he used to work for
1: uh, NASA or for uh, uh, Area 51? worked used? for
2: Area 51. There was a big controversy because they couldn't find his papers or something, but he did come forward. And he was not... He,
1: couple times on
2: uh, uh, Bob Lazar. That's Bob Lazar. Bob, Bob okay. Lazar. But he has several. They're not actual photographs. But like I said, somebody had done computer renderings for him. Um, but he claims that's exactly what it looked like. And I, I don't doubt him because uh, what I saw uh, literally hundreds of times, um, the bottom of them. You know, they looked just like that. You know, Pop said it did not land; it did not touch the ground. Uh, it hovered maybe two or three feet above it. Uh, it was smooth on the bottom. You know, with, it, it had the same um, the same dome on the bottom as it did on the top. Um, but it was a pretty, He said it was probably a 100, 150 foot across. But he said he knew that he knew that they knew they were there, and it in his mind it was like they were bumping the game up a little bit.
1: Yeah, it sounds that way.
2: It's yeah. Awesome. So, um, going back before this, uh, I was probably about eight years old. Uh, they'd come pick me up one night. And uh, now he'd say anything, you know, in front of my grandmother. It was just the three of us in the car, you know. And he said something to the effect of, um, I saw something different last night. And uh he said, I, I don't know if they'll come back or not. And uh, you know, you know, naturally I'm well what are you talking about? you know, he said, just we'll see. We'll see. So, you know, just like clockwork, we had our you know, our little regiment every weekend and uh by this time I've got a little brother, but um, you know, he's almost four years younger than I am, but uh he's he's showing no interest in any of this, you know, so it's still every Friday night of my life. You know, I'm going down there. So we eat dinner just like clockwork, and we get our lounge chairs. And um, uh, if I remember correctly, this is the fall of the year. I'm going to say August to September. It was getting kind of chilly outside, but not really cold, kind of like it is around here tonight, you know, in low 60s. So we get our coats on and whatnot. We set our chairs up, and it just got dark. And uh, this time... We're sitting towards the field. Um, I would have to draw you a sketch of how the the property's laid out. Um, But we're, let's say, uh, north is the front of my grandparents' house, um, you know, and everything's laid out to that compass setting. This time we're sitting west. Now west to the house uh, is a big field out there. He was an avid farmer. Um, South of, you know, that direction uh, is a big, huge, huge field behind it. East is the house, and, you know, there's other neighbor houses, neighbor's houses to the east. So tonight we're, we're facing west, and we don't have our lounge chairs laid back looking up at the sky, and he's not flashing his light. And I said, all right, what's going on, you know? And he said, just, just sit here real quiet." And this time he had his shotgun with him. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I thought that was kind of odd because the only other time I'd seen him, you know, leave the house was that night with a gun was that night he went, you know, him and Hoop went to see the one that landed behind Hoop's house. Um, We're sitting there and he said, "I, you know, I don't know. Just, you know, we'll see. Well, I'm going to guess about 15, 20 minutes passed. And he said, okay. And he shined his light out on the field out there. Now, if I remember correctly, there were five of them, four or five of them there. And you could see the eyes um, when the light would hit the eyes. And the only way that he he knew they were there, well, he knew what was coming, I had no clue. And he detected some kind of movement out there in the darkness. Well, these things, now you got to remember the years we're in, uh, they didn't have LED lights like we do now that would light up, you know, uh, a quarter mile. You know, this was Mm -hmm. old back flashlights, and these things were right at the edge of that beam. It's it's like they knew how close to come. and they weren't going to come any further. But now, when you was shine, when he was shining that light out there on them, you could see the shape of them. Um, they were sitting like in a formation from left to right. Uh, the light, the eyes did not glow. Um, when the lights would hit them, it was kind of like a dog or a cat. You would see the reflection off of it. Um, you know, coming back to you. Um, they were hairy. They were And they were definitely sitting. Now, you know, I was telling you the other night, um, we never saw any tracks of this thing until the snow. Or if I remember correctly, and I, I'm not going to say this is 100% guaranteed, but it seems like we saw some tracks in the mud one time. Um, but we saw multiple times in the snow. And the most ungodly smell you could imagine, it just reeked, you know. Uh, it was kind of akin to a skunk, but um, more pungent, if you know what I mean. It it wouldn't make you gag. It was just like, oh, my, you know, and you just shake your head. It is just so foul. Hmm. And they sit out there. Now, the way they sit down, uh, they sit down on their butt with their knees in front of them and their, their feet. Uh, I'm going to say they had hands and they had feet um their their feet was right in front of them. their their thighs are tucked up kind of towards their chest with their feet flat on the ground um and they were kind of hunched over they were hairy uh and they they didn't sit with their hands flat on the ground you know uh, imagine um uh, a guy that's getting ready to run a race you know how he's kind of hunched over you know uh, imagine the leaning motion he's making, but not the same, you know, standing motion.
1: Um,
2: right. but they would rest on their knuckles, four knuckles,
3: mm.
2: and they just sit there looking. Uh, they made absolutely no noise, and now they would look at each other, and, or you would see the eyes kindly, you know, with the light on them, they would go to the left or the right, and then they, that would disappear, which was telling me and us that, their heads to the right or to the left and as soon as that head would come back looking at us those lights those eyes would light up again you know in the reflection of the flashlight and this went on uh i'm going to guess 20 or 30 minutes now when they now it's it's still dark out there you know you can see the outline uh, of stuff but because it's backed by a field it's not You know, there's not woods, there's not limbs and trees and stuff masking it. You can see out across this field. But when they got up to leave, uh, they would stand up. Um, They wouldn't stand completely erect like a human does. They would kind of be hunched over. And when they took off, they kind of shuffled off, you know. But they definitely, when they moved, they were uh, upright. It wasn't, you know, like a chimp or a gorilla who will almost stand up, but the upper part's bent over, and they're resting on their front knuckles, you know, to help in their momentum. They were definitely upright, you know, and they would yeah,
1: take off. You, you know, like, uh, about holler monkeys?
2: And you know uh, how uh, they know. and they
1: move, and how they uh, they kind of, like, they shuffle as well, and they can shuffle, like, quite a distance. Yeah. So, like, they hop, yeah. and they hop to the side, and say, so their front... Uh, like they're, yeah, they're going to the side. So yeah,
3: like
1: like how we we have chicken jump forwards, how yeah. our monkeys can jump sideways and they can jump like twenty, thirty feet. Wow, which is quite a bit. So were these things doing something similar to that type of no, thing? No, the,
2: when they stood up, they stood up. But if you and I were at a restaurant and we were getting ready to leave, when we stood up, our legs would be you know completely locked. You know, or up. Our back would be you know, straight, and we would walk off in a 90-degree momentum. Uh These, their legs were kindly bent. Uh Uh, At the waist, they were tipping over just a little bit. Now, when I say they shuffled, their arms were going back and forth, but they weren't, uh, you know, when a gorilla takes off, you know, a gorilla can stand up just like a man can, look around, you know, whatever. But when he goes to move, um, those knuckles hit the ground, and, you know, he's bent over, but he's flying. Now, these they didn't take off real fast, but they were um, slightly bent over, kind of hunchback a little bit, like you'd see a little old man or something, you know. But they moved pretty quick, and they were gone.
1: But did they have hair
2: in their head? Or uh, oh, yes. That? Oh, yes, they were fully hairy. Fully okay. hairy. Um, now, this was our impression of them. Uh, good God, I don't know for how long we saw these things, they kind of sort of took the place of the saucers.
1: It's and really kinda, strange. It's really strange, yes. and it's just well, this connection.
2: He always it's hypothesized, uh, as silly as it sounds, that this was their pets. They were showing us their pets. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Interesting. I'm not saying the saucers weren't there to come back. Our focus was on them now, and my grandfather called them the beast. He said that's what they look like, a beast. So this went on into winter. Uh, Every Friday and Saturday night, we'd be out there watching them. And one Friday night, they come and pick me up, and it was just starting to snow. And we got a lot of questions answered um, over this. Uh, but it just started to snow and, uh, we don't get too awful much snow around here, but when I was a kid, man, we would get eight, 10, 12 inches, you know, four or five times a winter, you know, and it, it was a big one. This thing lit in. And if I remember correctly, we didn't go out that Friday night because it was just, I mean, huge drops of snow, you know, huge snowflakes, wet drops. So we wake up to about eight inches the next morning. And even though we weren't there, they had been there and waiting on us. And we got a few things answered that night. The incredible stench that we smelled, and that was one of the first things, excuse me, we smelled when we went out the next morning, or I'm going to say around 9 o'clock, that smell was there. And it's like, okay, uh, because none of this ever took place in the daylight. Why is the smell here? You know, we immediately were looking around for them in the snow. Couldn't find them. But we walked over there to where they're usually sitting. And maybe 30 feet in from where the closest they ever come, we started seeing these big, bright yellow patches. And it almost looked like a neon yellow. And it was where they were urinating. Huh. And this was the source of the smell. It wasn't them per se. It was the urination. Now in the summertime, in the other times, it would just soak into the ground. Uh, you know, the smell would die on off. Um, you would never know the next day coming out that the smell was even there. But in the snow, that that smell lingered. And you, when we, I was, pop. What's that? You know, and I saw it, and we walked over there, and you know. 10 foot from it, you oh my gosh, you know, that's it. That's it right there. Um, The next thing we found out, uh, we went to where they were sitting. They had their uniform line just as always. Um, You could see the impression of the foot. You could see the impression of the knuckles. And here's one of the kickers. Um, If you've ever seen the baboon with the big red butt, the a huge, bulbous butt. Right. Um, there was a smooth impression, I'm going to say around 18 inches wide, maybe 15 inches tall, and it looked almost just like a heart. So this thing had a huge rear on it, and when it set down, it left that, and it was just dished out, just like if you took your hand in the snow, smoothed it over, or took your finger, traced the heart out, and then dipped it in for each uh, you know, the, the left and the right part of the heart would be. And, and that was very weird. So, you know, we're gearing up for tonight. You know, the, the snow per se was gone, falling, but you know, this was going to be around for another two days and you know my grandpa was like, you know, we'll be out here tonight and I am like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm tanked, you know, I'm ready to go. So uh as soon as it got dark that night, uh, here they come. And but it's different tonight everything is white you can see very well uh it was to the point we didn't even really need the flashlight uh we learned a few more things you could see that butt on them at night you know in this light uh the hair um i can't tell if it was dark brown or black but um these things come shuffling in and walking in, uh, and we found the tracks. Uh, Coincident, I don't know if I told you this or not, but the next day, um, and uh, for some reason, we didn't look on Saturday morning, but uh, on Sunday morning after church, uh, we followed the tracks in that westward direction until it finally got to a patch of woods, and then they disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just like they stopped, and that was the end of it. I but um, I uh, they come over there, and uh, they didn't sit in the exact same spot that they did before. But uh, mm-hmm. as we're seeing them coming in from the west, we start to smell this stuff, you know. So um, I, you can't really tell that far. I'm talking probably a hundred yards out, you know, if they're stopping and peeing or what they're doing. But you can, the the wind's carrying the smell, you know. So uh, they come on in uh, about as far away as they usually get or as close as they usually get, and they flop down, you know. And they're just sitting there staring at us. Well, now this time, when they're looking left and right, uh, you can see by the outline, their face is completely flat. There's no protrusions like a snout on a chimp. You know, a gorilla's face is pretty flat, but I, I swear when you, you know, you'd see a side profile. You would, you would think you would see something of a nose or something of a lip. You know, or something like, but it wasn't. It was just flat, and it was just like business as usual. They sat out there and stared at us. And, um, and when you, know, you say they're they're flat, the profile. Could you see
1: hair on their face as well, or is it just uh, no?
2: It was it was too dark for that. Let, let's say. it it was looking at its friend beside it. You could tell the back of the head was domed, you know, like our head is. Uh, You could see the outline of the shape, but when it got to the forehead, down to where the chin area would be, it was completely flat. Uh, They never made a sound. They never made uh, any form of Communication never tried to get us to come to them, they never approached us. It was like that was that bound. Now, later on in life, I know what that was. Um, that was because uh, and people will laugh at this, and I don't care. Uh, but somewhere in between us, uh, my savior had uh, an angel standing. I honestly believe this, he had some form of guardian angel standing out there that it was not going across for any, uh, uh, he wouldn't even test it. And his protection was there, Mm -hmm. and they knew this is about as close as I'm allowed to come without suffering my consequences. And like I said, they never, and this is in retrospect looking back now, knowing what I know of the Holy Spirit um, and, you know, the scripture, you know, teaches of he'll give his angels charge over us to keep us. And I honestly believe that. And um, the, and I think that the same way with the saucers and everything else, you are only going to get so close. Um, there's, you know, I, I've talked to you the other night about shadow people. And oh. they're only, uh, I, I know for a fact, they're only allowed so close to me. You can't touch me, not without his express written consent that you're allowed to do something to me. I know that. I I do know that I am saved. I do know that I am washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, I've never been scared enough to have to use that because I'm, and this has needs, not because I'm super smart or something. I've got enough sense to know that you can't touch me. Right, not without his authorization. Now, if it come to the the point of me having to use it, you can bet your bottom dollar does that. Whether it be coming out of my mouth verbally, or I've heard of um, you know abductions or this uh, you know were these beings supposed to come in and they can't talk, they can't move. But I, I've you know heard uh, statements of people you know saying that you could. You know, they may have had control of my lips or control of my body, but you didn't have control of my thoughts. And I was thinking to myself as hard as I could, uh, leave in the name of Jesus. And when I started thinking that, they fled. Yeah, it's and, true. Uh, I really <laughs> very true. And uh, I've never been to the point where I had to to play that card, if you will. But that tells me enough to know, you know it already. You know um, the the demon. <laughs> you know uh, the the sons of Sceva. You know I, I'm, I think this is the 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 story I'm thinking about. But it's uh, the demon said, "Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who are you? <laughs> you know, right? and, right. Them and just uh, rip clothes off of them. You know, beat the soup out of them, <laughs> as my mama would say. You know, and they know." They know who they're dealing with. Now, I I have no idea whether uh, being covered in the blood of Christ is something that they can see on you. They automatically know uh, whether it's a memo or something. I don't know, but they do know. And they know if you're fair game um, or not. But, you know, going back to the story, uh, they got up after 20, 30 minutes or so, and they, you know, they shuffled off back in the same direction they came. Now, uh, I I can sit down and do you a drawing of what the feet look like, and of all the Bigfoot cryptids, Dogman, everything else that I have ever seen, and I I studied this stuff quite a bit. Um, It's unlike anything I've ever seen here. The front part of it... um, Puts you in the mind of a, a large German Shepherd or possibly a wolf. Now we don't have wolves around here. We have some coyotes, but they just come in the last fifteen years. Um, <clears throat> but a very big front paw print attached to that is an arch.
1: Did you and notice how I, many how many uh like uh, let me say paw prints? How many toes?
2: Are there three? Yeah. Or? Yeah. You, you know, uh, um, a wolf print and a German Shepherd print look a lot alike. You know, they have two or three or three or four pads. You can see the nail out in front of it, but that's it. You know,
3: uh-huh. Uh,
2: uh-huh. this in the snow, you could see that. You could see uh, where the snow wasn't disturbed, meaning there's somewhat of an arch. And about two or three inches behind it was a ball on a hill. Huh. So I'm going to say the footprint was maybe eight or nine inches long. It wasn't huge, okay. but it was definitely, it was like the front part of a canine, the arch, and then the ball of a foot down there. Uh, all we ever saw or could really make out, um, when they took off that night in the snow, the uh, you could see their hands, but you couldn't. I can't recollect any claws. My grandpa's been dead since 88, Um, so I really can't go back to him, uh, you know, and and ask him any great details of the things I've thought of all these years later. But um, they definitely had hands. I can't tell you how many fingers. Uh, They never left any kind of print with their hands other than knuckle prints. You know, when they rested, they were always on their knuckles. You know, um, just like a um, a quarterback would be or something. or You know, how a lineman, they're down on those knuckles ready to go. Uh, another thing we found out uh, in the midst of this, my grandfather was a, um, a big rabbit hunter. And, you know, a lot of times during the day on Saturday when season was in, uh, a lot of rabbits around here, a lot of rabbit dens. And for anybody who knows what I'm talking about, a rabbit den, I mean, there's hundreds of ways to... You know, hunt rabbits. But um, we would have these big thickets full of briars, uh, maybe 30 feet across, 20 feet deep, you know, out in fields and stuff. And they would just lay full of these jackrabbits. Well, he would send me to one side of, and I know in today's society, it's some, you know, dangers of what the God's name we y'all thinking about. But uh, I would have trusted the man to shoot an apple off the top of my head. But, uh, sometimes I would have a big stick or sometimes I'd use like a cane pole, a cane fishing pole. And I would go over to say the left side of this thing. And it's, you know, it's pretty wide. It's not like this thing's two or three foot across, you know, and he's about to shoot me. But, um, I would go over to the left-hand side of it and start beating this briar patch, you know, and sure enough, they're going to leave out the opposite side and, uh, he would, you know, naturally they'd come running out. Bang! He'd, you know, he'd get one. We'd go to the next one. Bang! He'd get another one. You know, we'd come home, and skin them, and eat them. Well, uh, we got to noticing after these things started showing up. When rabbit season come in, we went out hunting, and um, you, I don't know what what you call these briars, but the the body of the, the plant itself is about as big as your middle finger. And they have these briars on them. Uh, call them I call them hook briars. Uh-huh. Uh, they're probably about half inches, uh, half inch to three-quarters of an inch long, and they're they're curved like a cat's claw. And uh-huh. you can't, I swear, you, you, you get three foot from them, it's like they jump out at you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you can't even... Consider going in this stuff without literally getting ripped to shreds. And we found out that these things, uh, and uh, I, I just remembered something. You know, I told you we saw the footprints in the mud, and I couldn't put two and two together, but this is where we saw the footprints in the mud. These things, for some reason or another, loved rabbits. And I'm talking about to devour rabbits. And they would go in to these, uh, let's call them nests, these these rabbit nests with all of these briars. And Mike, they would rip this thing to shreds. Um, there would be chunks of rabbit flesh laying around there. Sometimes ears. Sometimes you'd find a paw, just shreds of the skin. Whether they were, I'm assuming they were eating them, or they were, or they were destroying them for sport. You know. Right, But the oddest thing, on the outside, there never was any specific place um, adjacent to where this ripped up nest was, Um, there would be a smooth area, and they would sit down, and they would take this rabbit's fur, and imagine you pulled off a, a square piece, an inch by an inch square, and... I know they had manual dexterity in their hands, whatever form of hands they had. Um, and I was thinking about this possible coalition the other night after we spoke. Um, but, and I'll tell you, I'll get to that here in a second. But they would take this fur, they would roll it up into little balls. Now, the, by the, when they get done rolling it up, and it's still, it's, it's just not the fur. It has the flesh on it, too. Uh-huh. They would roll this thing into a tight little ball. Now, it's about three-eighths of an inch. <clears throat> and they would take, I don't know how many dozens of them, and they would build little pyramids. And sure. um, It looked like an area where you would smooth out, you know, with your hand, maybe three foot by three foot. And they would build these little pyramids. Now, uh, I have no clue, but they would be the perfect, most little perfect four-sided pyramids, you know, all the way up to the top. And the other night, uh, you know, after I was thinking, uh, after we were talking, I got to thinking, I wonder is there's some coalition with the pyramid structure uh, going back to the Nephilim, to ancient Egypt, to whatever. But, you know, we all know now that the pyramids are not, you know, stuck in Egypt. They're everywhere all over this world. Yep, that's and um, for sure. why, of everything they could do, would they build pyramids out of it? But each and every time we would find uh, a nest ripped up like that, and there were dozens of them through these fields, mm. uh, there would always be the smoothed-out area. You would see blood you know, on the ground. We have a pretty nice side of rabbits around here. Uh, blood on the ground, the whole nine yards, um, and there would be these little pyramids each and every time. Now, whether this was going on at night or uh, dust, or very early dawn i don't know um we've had cattle mutilations around there uh he always attributed that to them um but when it stopped it stopped and to my knowledge they've never come back again uh where i live I uh, have about four, four and a half acres here. Uh, my property adjoins uh, my mother's. She has probably eight, ten acres. Uh, hers is all wooded. Um, I've never seen anything like that. I've seen plenty of other stuff. Uh, but anything like that in and of itself, apart from my grandfather. And once he died, um, that was it. I've tried my flashlight out at night. Never seen anything like that come up. So whatever it was, it was there because of him. I was just a bystander, you know, or who's the Klutz's or any other neighbors. My grand, my grandmother, seen him so much. She said she didn't. Uh, you know, uh, that was she'd rather watch Archie Bunker. You know, she got more out of it. You know, that. and, uh, but
1: that's interesting.
3: So
2: now,
1: now you, now you guys, you were able to even uh, get a hair sample from these things.
2: From yes.
1: the, tell us the, about that.
2: The, the, the I was coming to that the night okay. that he got the hair sample. Um, I was there, but I was not outside. Um, we had done our looking for to, for that night and everything. We'd come back in, and uh, it was about I'm going to say around ten or ten thirty. My grandmother, she you know, she asked my grandpa. She said, "Pop, said you bring that wood in, you know, when you come because it's you know it's winter time." And uh, he's like, "Oh man." So he gets up, puts his jacket on. Now when he was going out, I was going out, and uh, so I get up, I start my, I've got my pajamas on now, you know. So I grab my jacket. He's like, "No, stay here." He said, "I'm just gonna run out here and get the wood, you know." He said, "I'll be right back." All right, he said, "I promise you I ain't doing no looking." That's what he called it—doing my looking. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, like I said, he had two or three sheds there, and uh, the very end shed. Now, once again, let's go back to the north, south, east, and west. Um. The south part uh, of that compass is where the sheds were. The very end shed was where he stored all of his firewood. So he goes back. He's got his flashlight with him out there, and he's, you know, heading down towards it. When he gets there, I don't remember if he heard something or he saw something or exactly what it was. But when he got to the corner of the shed, he decided to look around, uh, r- around the corner of the shed. Now, directly behind the shed, maybe 10 or 15 yards, um, was a long barbed wire fence. Uh, the guy was th- that owned it, from what I remember, was gonna put cattle there. He never did. But um, uh, anyway, one of these things, one of these beasts were right around that corner alone, by itself. When my grandfather come around the corner of that building, he startled this thing. And I, I think he startled it as much as it startled him, because that is the one and only time he had ever got close to it. And he said it was a black blur. He knew what it was when he seen it. And, Michael, this thing took off like a bullet and he hit one of these uh, old country posts, you know, they're about five, six inches across, you know, uh,
3: wow. post
2: old dug into the ground. It hit one of them and just snapped it in half leveled this fence down and never looked back. Well, the next day we go out there and the barbed wire had done its job. There were clumps of hair all over this thing, just snatched it. And there's no animals here. There's no nothing, you know, uh, uh, we have a North Carolina zoo here. It's 50, 60 miles away. There was no zoo in North Carolina at that time. There were no monkeys here. There were no gorillas. The circus hadn't come to town and lost a half a dozen, you know, <laughs> that looked like gorillas. But, um, or, you know, for lack of a better word, looked like a gorilla. But um, this thing had leveled this fence. And that was, he took several patches of it, you know, and like the one I have uh it's on a piece of duct tape he stuck a you know probably a hundred strands to a piece of duct tape and then put clear tape over the top of it where you can see it you know see through it and that was my sample I still have it till today uh you know back in those days um there was no DNA testing there was I, I guess you possibly could have sent it somewhere and you know, let somebody look at it under a microscope to try to match it up to any other animals. But there's nothing like that around here. You know, the hair is uh, very dark to black. Uh, some of it has some strands of gray in it, it looks like. I've never took the top layer of tape off of it. Um, I, I keep, I guess, hoping one day there would be somebody I could take it and, you know, have a, uh, a DNA sample done to it. Or, you know, find out exactly if they have any clue what it is. Um, but, um, you know, the the picture I sent you the other night, that that's a, a half dollar that is sitting beside of it to kind of give you some idea of, you know, the, the size and the length of it. But it's about six inches long. Um, and what we were discussing earlier, uh, from about three inches to six, it's very straight. And yes. from one inch mark to the third, uh, the, the three inch mark, it has these very fine waves in it, you know, just like a little micro flat iron had put it into it, you know, uh, very odd, very odd, you know, a horse's mane, which there were no horses around there, you know, a horse's mane is straight. My daughter had horses for 11 years of her life, uh, cows, hairs, you know, short, you know, very straight, uh, you know, dogs. Most dogs have straight hair, but short hair. You know, um, if it is something of the curlier variety, like a large poodle or something, it's, it's kinky. You know, there is no half straight, half curly, but it's just very odd. But from the course of seventy-two to eighty, um, his his saucer fame had went far and wide. Uh, he had two predominant magazines at the time do uh, um, interviews with him. Uh, I come to find out the, uh, I couldn't remember the name of the other magazine, but the other magazine was called Argosy. I don't know if you remember, but you can look them up. One was fake magazine. One was Argosy. Uh, both of them, uh, year or so apart done big articles on him, uh, seven and eight page spreads in the magazine on him, um, you know, flew out to the little town of Rockwood, uh, you know, interview him, and um, he just led a very, very interesting life. I've never seen anybody in my life so so in touch with God. Uh, you know, I was telling you the other night, Michael, and I, I know that's that's where I initially got my fascination uh, of Christ in in that book we call the Holy Bible. Uh, because he never put it down. He could quote scripture to the point you would say, Pop, come on, you know, and he was never without a Bible. Um, But he had the most interesting prayer life I've ever seen. I've never seen anyone other than him that got each and every prayer that left their lips answered, not in days, not in months, within hours and maybe a day or so at the best. Uh, But his prayer life consisted of, and he would tell anybody that would want to listen, I never pray for things for myself. Is my God stupid? He knows what I need. He knows the desires of my heart. I don't have to ask him for the things I need and for the very few things that I want. He was not a materialistic person at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think originally a lot of that comes from the Depression, growing up in the Depression, you know or as he referred to them as the Hooper days but um you know he just you know he'd go at ends of telling uh how they had nothing and you know how they barely had to scrape to survive and whatnot so it you know and there was never uh anything it was waste not want not you know very conservative people but um but when it comes to you and I or friends or family, man, I don't care what it was. He would take the God to his knees. And I've never literally right before my eyes see prayers happen, see miracles happen. And because he had the most unselfish prayer life I have ever seen. Nothing for his self it was not, if you come to him wanting a million dollars, he's not praying for you a million dollars. I want you to understand what I'm talking about. Sure. You had a need in your family. If you had someone on their deathbed, uh, whatever your need, I've seen him pray financial miracles come in for people, but these were hardworking people. These weren't people that were sitting around on welfare, you know, wishing they could get some kind of other subsidy on top of the other 10 subsidies they're getting. No. Um, if he knew you and he knew you had a need brother your answer's coming and it's coming on the wings and um just amazing amazing things happened uh but um and he talked to god just like you and i talk on the phone um it was an old father holy be thy name and Uh, you know, I've done this, Lord, this week, and, you know, I've acted like this, and I have just prayed. No. It was, you know, how you doing, Daddy? Um, You know, I'd go out to the shed sometime. Uh, He was a well driller by trade. to build his own machines. Um, And I would come out there sometime. He'd be working Saturday during the evening. I'd be inside watching cartoons or something, step outside to go see him. And he'd just be out there just talking away, you know. I said, Pop, who are you talking to? He said, boy, you, crazy. you know who I'm talking to. And he'd kindly laugh, you know. And I said, yeah, I know. What you talking about? And he said, well, I, you know, it's Miss So-and-so, you know, we was talking at church last week, and I was talking to the Lord about her. and You know, just uh, not a selfish bone in his body, you know. Uh, it, it, I, I don't know. I'm not educated enough to tell you or explain to you the gracefulness this man had, the humbleness of this man. Um, Just so kind. Um, Never hear him say a bad word. Uh, Always saw the bright side. Um, uh, The only crooked thing I've ever seen him do, I didn't tell you about this, uh, the man was the most incredible shot I've ever seen in my life with a rifle. Hmm. And there was a fellow that lived about two or three miles down the road from us. And I, I witnessed this as a child and he'd get on his bicycle and, uh, you know, ride down, you know, to the river and go fishing and just a deadbeat, you know, uh, wouldn't hold a job, you know, was born lazy or born tired, you know, and, uh, he had uh he come up to my grandpa's house one day and he pulled in on that bike and we were outside doing something. He said, "How you doing today, Raymond?" And that was his name, Raymond Raymond Kefley. And uh, Pop said, "I'm doing fine." You, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, "I was wanting to borrow something from you." And uh, I, I seen the look on my grandfather's face. You know, he said, "What's that?" He said, uh, "You still got that 22 rifle in there?" He said, "Yeah, I still got my 22." He said, uh, "I was wondering if you'd let me borrow that thing for about a day." He said, uh, "I'm gonna see if we we getting kind of poorly around the house down there," and said, uh, I, "I was wondering maybe you'd let me borrow that thing," and said, uh, um, uh, maybe, "Maybe I could put some squirrels on the table." Well, my grandfather knew if that rifle ever left the house, that'd be it. You know, he'd never see that thing again. So he said, "I don't know, bud." He said, "I'm kind of partial to that thing," and he said, "I." Uh, my boy here. He said, that's going to be his rifle one day. And he said, Raymond, he said, I, I, I know what you're thinking. He said, I, I'll i bring it back to you. He said, I ain't got the 12 shots. And uh, he said, what you going to do with 12 shots? He said, if you got 12 squirrels, that ain't enough to, you know, feed your family. He said, yeah, but it's something better than nothing. And um, out there, uh, my, my little brother was there at the time. And uh, there were some baby blocks. Well, we was outside, and my my grandmother had a big blanket laid out there, and whatnot, and had his toys out there, you know, and uh, there were some baby blocks. You know what I'm talking about? They're about an inch and a half by inch and a half. And uh, he said, "You got them cartridges with you?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "I'll tell you what." He walked into the house and he brought that 22 rifle back out there. Now, this is the crookedest thing I've ever seen my grandfather do. Um, he he said, "Let me see your cartridges." So he took his twelve shots, you know, and he put them in the rifle. He said, "I'm gonna tell you what." He said, "I'm gonna throw this." He said, "I'm gonna let you throw this baby block up in the air, and I'm gonna shoot at it." He said, "Now the first time I miss, you can take my rifle and what shots you got left, and you go hunt. He said, "Fair enough." Well, he <laughs> throw that baby block up. Pow! He cut that baby block in half. Well, the guy's got this kind of funny look on his face. He only took pops of, well, he ain't got the 50% left of it, you know. So he throwed that thing up, hit it again, hit it again, hit it again. Now he he got down to the point there was just a little cube of this thing left, and it wasn't hardly enough to even throw up in the air. Right. And uh, he said, Raymond, just keep the shell. He said, don't just forget about it. I mean, he was mad by then. He said, No <laughs> He said, No, a deal's a deal. He said, You throw that little baby block up, put that little piece left, and let me see if I can hit it. And he tossed it up in the air and my grandfather took the rifle and put it in the other direction and pulled the trigger and said, Oops, I <laughs> missed <laughs> And he said, Don't come around asking for my guns anymore. And <laughs> he caught a lot of but he hit that thing, and there's no doubt in my mind he could have hit it that twelfth time if he wanted to. But he was proving a point to him, right? You know, don't come, you know? Don't come around here. I don't want you around here to start with. And uh, they were very shady people, you know. But even that, my my grandfather still wouldn't turn him away. Now, if he would have ever asked for food or something like that, and you know, my grandfather told me he said he didn't want that rifle to hunt with. He wanted to. Or he called it up to no good. He said he probably had something up to no good he needed it for. Right. And, uh, but um, a very great judge of character. I mean, a very great, very, very discerning spirit about him. But um, I tell you, the, uh, when my grandfather died, this is no lie. Uh, none of it I've told you is a lie. Um, Powell's funeral home started early. Um, they started accepting people at 5.30 instead of 6.30. Hmm. At 11.30 that night, they turned away almost 350 people and told them they had to close the funeral home. We were so tired. I don't know how to describe it to you. We were so physically wore out from standing in that line shaking people's hands. And there was over 350 that never made it inside of the funeral home. They said they had never seen anything like that in their life. They were parking across the street, down the street, bumper to bumper. Uh, there's, um, uh, we have a grocery store chain around here called Food Line. There's a food line across the street. Their parking lot was full. Um, I have never seen so many people come to pay their respects to one man in my life. And he was loved by everybody that met him. They knew they had a friend, whether they had just met him or known him all their life. Uh, I've never known the man to lie about anything. Uh, He didn't care for comedy. Now, he would Mm -hmm. laugh at things, but uh, he would tell you there's more important, and he was speaking of, of God, there's more important things you need to have your mind on. And uh, now he would, you know, he would laugh at a good joke and this and that. And he was known to tell a good joke. Very good-hearted man. But um, when it come to silliness or you know just cutting up, and there was none of that in him at all. You know, uh, he'd much rather sit down and tell you about the Lord and what He had done for him. And um, it, it just. At 51, I can't imagine a time in my life that the Lord will give me on this planet that I will ever forget any of this, you know, and it's just embedded in me, the things he taught me, and I'm not talking hunting skills and survival skills or money skills, I'm talking life skills, that these are people that you're dealing with they have a spirit and they need to know the lord they whether they want it or not they need to know christ and um just amazing uh could play six instruments um was missing his left thumb and could play anything he could lay his hands on uh just an amazing amazing person amazing person Sounds like it sounds
1: like he's a wonderful man and a very interesting man, obviously well liked and a heck of oh, an yeah. influence, you know. And, um, you, know, and a fi- you know, a fine example of what a, a grandfather and father was in a man. So, um, yeah, it sounds like a man with great credibility, too. You, you, you did ever ask him, or did he ever say why he thought he was having these experiences with these? Uh, well, what we call today UFOs and and uh, these kind of Bigfoot type creatures and but it's it's not I've heard this before and I'm it's, it's, I'm building a theory in my head. It's only a theory, obviously, of the connection between quote unquote Bigfoot and uh, flying saucers and could these beings actually be a little more than we've been told? Kind of thing.
2: Um, everything in me tells me that they were from the saucers, right? Uh, because once that's, um, I don't know if it ever really stopped of him, but somewhere around nineteen eighty eighty one, uh, he was getting older, um, and sitting out at night watching these things were getting pretty hard on him. So uh, it, you know, and by that time, uh, I'm in my teenage years, you know, I I still seen a lot of them, but it wasn't the little kid going every Friday night, you know, and um, because like I said, I was born in 66, um, so I was just hitting 14, 15 years old, you know, and uh, discovering girls and baseball and, you know, I was a baseball player back then, you know, but I still spent a lot of time with him. And he was smart enough to understand this was part of life, also. But he kind of gave that aspect up to uh, of it in the late eighties, and uh, he never really went out that much anymore. And I just wonder if if if
1: he thought there was any kind of biblical connection. Well, um...
2: yes, Ezekiel. um, He was now there. There wasn't anything in that Bible he couldn't quote you. Right. But he was always so intrigued. with Ezekiel and now I'm going to say something and I don't want you to misunderstand what I was saying because he did not believe it one ounce but he was and he he made connections um, to this through this uh-huh. um, he was utterly fascinated by the Mormon Bible and how Mormonism come about he did not believe it one bit well, that's so good, good for was, him but uh, by by the way, doing... I, I
1: was raised a Mormon and went on a Mormon mission, so wow.
2: I if, any, okay. if
1: anybody can tell you what a uh, what a mess it is uh, I can. So, but it's best for another show and another day. Sure. So, but so... You know the connection <laughs>
2: I'm making with uh you know how um what's his name uh come to the revelation of Joseph uh, Smith. Yes, and all of this and he alluded that this was through whatever these aliens were. And that was his theory. And, you know, as we were talking about the other night, we we know a lot more today just by, the, uh, you know, whether the Internet's the best thing in the world or most evil thing in the world. It still allows us, uh, you know, it naturally it's how you use it just like anything else. But um, the way we can share information and the books and other things that it opens up that we would never be able to have access to even 15 years ago. You know, uh, I think he would have been utterly amazed at the information he could have gleaned from the internet, but we, we didn't even have a clue what an internet was back in the 70s and early 80s. And, um, but he, you know, I, I don't know if he looked at these things completely as demonic. Um, I know he had a heavy worriness about him that... This isn't something that you need to toy with or get close to or try to get close to. Now, other than flashing that flashlight, uh, there was no calling them. There wasn't any, uh, you know, going outside and talk trying to talk to them or make communication with them. Uh, the flashlight was it. Um, he never tried to take it a step further. It's um, so fascinating. You know, I would talk to him. Well, why don't we this or why don't we no? Nope. He said, "This is enough. This is enough, right here." And uh, you know, it, it reminds me of a story. You know, uh, you and I were talking the other night about the veil being torn, and there's people like you and I that can see glimpses of the what's behind the veil at different times. Right. And Elijah, uh, Israel was getting ready to go to war. And elijah for you know I'll condense a lot of this, and I'm paraphrasing a lot of it, but i right, right, right. the paraphrase I'm paraphrasing is accurate um but Elijah wasn't too worried about it, you know, and he he knew what was he knew who, whose hand he was in mm-hmm. uh but uh he had a servant that was absolutely worried to death. You know, we're, you know. I'm just thinking in my mind, being him. We're all gonna die, Eliza. We're the surrounded. It's just you and I. It's just two yeah. of us against... Yeah, brother, yeah. this thing ain't gonna pan out like you say it is. You, know? and, <laughs> you can't you
1: count. Know, you gotta learn how to count,
2: brother. <laughs> that's right.
1: And,
2: you know, in his frustration, you know, like I said, I'm paraphrasing, and I can imagine myself being Elijah. Lord, you know, come on, just show him. Shut this man up. And there for a few seconds the veil was lifted and the mountains were full of chariots of fire and the heavenly hosts that were there in the waiting. You couldn't see them? These was this not flesh and blood that Paul so eloquently speaks of. That is these principalities, the powers that are there. That are fighting twenty four seven that you have no clue is there, but for a split second in time, that servant got to see it, and he knew in you know in an instant they whipped. They just don't know it yet, and that was the end of that for him. You know he saw it, and I, I think that these things that you and I have spoken of and that I've seen are there all the time. Yeah. But in just certain times or certain instances, circumstances, we're allowed to see them. And me knowing who holds me keeps my fear at bay. Because I know that they know that they can't get at me. They would have to come, literally come through him first and as the word says, no man can pluck you out of my hand. Yeah. And I rest on that. And you know, uh um, my girlfriend was sitting here, um uh, this is a whole nother tangent of <laughs> different storylines and whatnot, but uh we hadn't been dating but uh maybe six months and I You know, slowly been telling her about a few things and this and that. And there's something here at my house. uh, It's been my father built this house in 61. Uh, After my divorce, I bought it three years ago. And there was a lot of things I had forgotten that I quickly started remembering when I moved back in here. And there has been something here um, since the late 60s, early 70s, and I don't know if it has a correlation with the the saucers or not or the beast or anything like that, but you can be in the basement. Now, if you're listening for it, you can't hear it. It'll never happen. Nothing will ever happen. But if you're down in the basement, it has a full basement in it, Um, and you're sweeping or organizing stuff or whatnot, You'll hear something upstairs running from one end of the house just as hard as you can. I mean, uh, you've got a seven foot ceiling in the basement. You know, there's only a um, twelve inches, you know, from that point separating you to the floor of the house upstairs. And a lot of times it'll be accompanied by laughter of like children or whatnot, and you know, just running back and forth. But when you really start to pay attention to it, it stops. This has went on my whole life. We lived here till 88. My father bought uh, all the land behind us. We built my mother a new house uh, in 88. Coincidentally, that was the same year my grandfather died. But um, now once we moved back there, he always kept this house as a rental. And when I got divorced, he sold it to me. So uh, anyway... um, I beginning I was beginning to tell my girlfriend about a few things because I knew the more time she spent here, you're bound to hear this thing. You're bound to see something that's going to freak you out. That, uh, you know, you're going to come to me and go, what the heck's going on here? So, we're sitting on the couch watching TV one night, and uh, in the kitchen, which is around the corner from the den, there's a doorway that. The steps lead directly down to the bottom of the basement. Now, it's not a, a big, dark, spooky basement like you see on, you know, movies and stuff. It's half finished, you know, a very nice place. Um, we hear this thing come stomping up the steps. And uh, she looked over the clock, and it was about a quarter to 11. She said, who in the world is here at this time, you know? And I said, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. And you can hear this thing, bonk, 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 you know, just stomping up the stairs. And it echoing into the house. The old lab, he's laying over there in the corner. His head shoots up, and I said, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Because I hadn't really told her a whole lot. And she's like, it's nothing. She's like, somebody's coming up your steps there. And she said, why would they be coming up the basement? I said, honey, don't worry about it. It's nothing, you know. Don't worry about it. So uh, she said, Randy, kid, there's somebody coming up your steps. I said, okay, go look, see who it is. Well, she gets up and walks the door and opens up and there's nobody there. And she's like, where'd they go? And I said, well, I think it's time for me and you to have a little talk here. (laughs) So, uh, You know, and I explained a lot of things, not about my grandfather, but, you know, a lot of things that have, you know, gone on here and whatnot. And I've come to the conclusion, one, of thinking back all of the years of living in this house as a child. Um, This thing, uh, especially the things I know now, whatever this is, and it doesn't move things around or throw things. It's not like a, what they call a poltergeist or something like that. It doesn't wake me up in the middle of the night because it can't. Right. And I have come to, to know very well this thing cannot inhabit the same area that I'm in. If I'm upstairs, I can hear stuff down in the basement going on. I know good and well it's not the dog. He's upstairs with me. Uh there's nobody unless my girls are here, you know, during the week or for the weekend or whatnot. Uh they're in their room watching T V or they're in bed asleep, you know, they have school the next day. Um, if I'm downstairs I can hear it upstairs. But it cannot occupy the same space as me and I know why. And it's just and you know, my girlfriend, she's saved and washed in the blood, there's no doubt in my mind about that. And, you know, it still spooks her, but, and, you know, I, I'll pick with her. You know, she'll go home, uh, maybe 1130, and she'll, you know, I, I'm heading on back to the house. I'll see you tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I'll pick her. I'll say, well, why don't you go out down to the basement? It's closer to your car. You know, no, 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 <laughs> like, you, what? <laughs> what have you got to worry about? I don't care if there's a 1,000 down there. Uh, I'll guarantee you if they're there, when I walk through, they will park. They can't touch me. They can't touch you either. And But she's never been around anything like this. Uh, my dad never had anything like that. My mother is eat up with it. Um, she's seen and witnessed things all her life. Uh, you know, you and I were talking about, can this thing be inherited? Uh, or is it something that the Lord just gives you? I don't know. Uh, I know my brother and sister don't have it. Um, I've had it all my life. Uh, my mother had it. Um, my oldest daughter wishes she could see 10% of what I've seen. Can't do it. Now my younger daughter is starting to show signs of, uh, being very in tune with it. Um, she had her first grandfather died i mean the the week my father died three years ago um we were all at my my parents house and he died of bone cancer and he was on his last week of it uh he he was home ridden for about a year and a half um couldn't go anywhere and uh could still talk and get around some but you know me and my mother was his um sole caregivers and um at the last, they had to bring hospice in. Well, uh, she's got a pretty big, nice house back there. And I had my four-wheeler on the uh, um, the con- big concrete driveway out there, and I was rinsing it off. Well, my youngest daughter was there. Uh, my sister was there, and she has two sons. And her oldest one's about a year and a half older than uh, my littlest girl. And they were out in the woods playing. Uh, all of my mother's property was in the woods and there's about a uh, 600-yard long winding driveway through the woods, uh, and then there's about six or 800 yards that separates us uh, via another road. Um, so uh, they head up the road, and uh, they turn around and come back, you know, hey, when are you going to take a side on the four-wheeler? I said, well, let me finish watching it, and we'll, we'll go, we'll run. He said, well, we're going to take the dog, um, you know, up the the winding gravel driveway and we'll be back in a little bit. Okay. No problem. Well, they had been gone about 15 minutes and here they come flying back. And my, my sister's oldest son is very in tune also. Um, but they come flying back down there running as hard as they can. Uh, and they turned the corner around the house and there I'm standing and they're just pale as a sheet and I'm like, What are you doing? And they was you know, just trying to get their breath. They had run as hard as they could. And the the boy's name is Noah. And Noah says, There's a there there's a tall man in the woods up here. He's got on a um am I daughter, she's sitting there, her head's nodding like a bobble doll, you know, Um, he's got a long, long, long black coat on, and a a big wide hat on, and he's standing there, and um, he's trying to talk to us, and um, uh, that, my daughter got her voice, and she's like, daddy, you gotta come see me, he's scaring me to death and uh, some, I the heck with the wash, and I hopped on that four wheel and tore up there, there's nothing there, and I knew when I got there, there would be nothing there so uh, I searched everywhere. I mean, this is the 3 o'clock in the evening, you know, very bright daylight. Um, so uh, they wouldn't go back up there. So, I, you know, I come back, told them I couldn't find I knew exactly. They said he was standing over where Scooter was buried. Well, my dad's brother had a, um, a little dog for about 15 years, and he died a few years ago. And uh, he buried him up in the woods and put him a little tombstone up there. You know, here lies, Scooter. And, uh, she said, uh, both of them said he's standing up there where Scooter's grave is. Well, from the time they got back to the time I got up there on the four wheeler, couldn't have been three minutes. You know, there's nothing there. And, like I said, I knew there would be nothing there. And I knew what they were talking about when they described what he looked like. So, uh, they messed around a little more and I started picking at them. Yeah, you just seeing stuff. Yeah, yeah, Ain't a booger up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they take off walking again. <coughs> I hear them scream. Well, I come around the corner and here they are flying and I can see them coming up the woods or up the driveway, you know, through the woods. And uh, he's screaming, he's there again, he's there again. Well, I didn't even go back to the second time. I knew he wouldn't be there. So, uh, That very night, um, we went in and ate dinner, and we had to take uh, my dad's dinner into the den, feed him, and uh, he was in good spirits. Um, Where he sits to the right of him was a door that goes down this long hallway. It's probably about 50 foot long, and that's where all the bedrooms are on the left and the right of that hallway. Well, my mother asked me to go back in her bathroom and get her something. So I opened that and walked by him. And I, I remember I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, Pop, how you feeling? And uh, he said, good, good, doing good. I said, all right, I'll be back in a second. When I opened that door and I turned around to close it, because when the air condition kicks on, sometimes it will grab it and slam it. And so, I, you know, I was paying mind to that. So I grabbed it and I, I turned around and I ease the door closed. Well, when I turned around to look down this hall, there was a figure standing about five or six in front of me, and he was smoke. Um huh. it didn't have glowing eyes. It was just the outline of a figure of smoke. And I I couldn't see a nose or a mouth or anything like that, but I knew he was facing me. This is about seven o'clock, same night. This figure turns around, and I'm just standing there in amazement, watching this. It walks down the hall, and when now you're looking at the very opposite end of the hall, is the door going into my mother's bathroom? She's, you know, sent me to, and that door is closed. When it gets to that door, it poof, it just fades out, you know, just like a, a gust of wind caught a puff of smoke. But it stayed the the shape of a figure all the way down. Until it got to that door. And it's like it didn't stop. It just run completely into the door. And when it hit the door, it just precipitated everything, just, you know, the smoke. And I told her, uh, I went on down there. I wasn't scared a bit. Uh, I got whatever it was she asked me to get um, and come back in there. And I pulled her to the side and I said, uh, I need to tell you something about what happened to Alexander, I mean, Dakota and Noah today. And I told her what I'd just seen and I said, Daddy won't be here much longer and he died three days later.
3: Hmm.
2: Wow. Can you hear me? Oh yes, sir. Yes. Sir. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's just amazing. Um
1: and the correlation between it all. Uh and this salt boat seeing a bugger. It's funny you said that. It's and uh and and then the the, the image, the, the shadow image, or the smoke image. This is just a fascinating story. I wonder. Um, I, sh- I, sh- I should I should introduce you to Kat and ask her what she makes of it. Oh, okay. um, uh, good. but that's just wonderful. It's a fascinating story. Um, yeah, there seems to be. Um, Something supernatural that seems to, and and in particular people that are really close to God, it seems like they know this, and so they, whoever they are, um, you know, it, obviously you, you didn't feel threatened by this entity, so no, maybe it, not a bit. Uh, maybe it was, it was, you know, maybe you saw uh some form of an angelic being. I,
2: I have no clue. I, I have no clue. Yeah. I know there was no malice in it whatsoever. Um, Now there have been things. uh, I I can tell you this: you you don't have enough time before sunlight comes up for me to even start to tell you all the things that I've seen in fifty-one years. We can have Um,
1: we can we can definitely you know have a part two if you want. Um, (laughs)
2: Alright, but there are things that I've seen. uh, I've I know one story, I won't get into it tonight, uh, that happened with me and my mother. My brother was there, but he was probably small enough he doesn't remember much about it. Um, at my my aunt's house, uh, about 50, 60 miles from here, um, I was terrified that night. My, everybody there was terrified. Um, ah. I've seen things before, not really in my adult life. But in my teen, late teens, not everything, but things I've seen that maybe not necessarily has made me scared, but has made me very uneasy. Um, I haven't seen anything probably since 25 or 30 that has phased me one bit. Uh, And I attribute it that uh, I, I don't want you to think by any stretch of the means I'm some super Christian brother. I am nothing but a sinner. Saved by grace, washed in the blood. Amen. (laughs) Uh, I sin daily, and I sin more than I can uh, ask forgiveness for, um, if that's possible. But the point I'm making is he knows my heart. Yeah. He knows my heart. And, you know, David longed to build the temple, uh, and he made great preparations for it. And you know, he went to Nathan and told him all his heart. Nathan said, Go right ahead. Do all that is in your heart, David. The Lord blesses you. Well the Lord pulled David aside uh, pulled Nathan aside and said, Look here, you need to go back and talk to David and tell him that I appreciate it. I appreciate everything he's done, wants to do. Uh but that's gonna be something for Solomon. You've been a warrior, you've shed much blood, um, I can't have that. But just that it was in your heart is counted righteousness to you. Yeah. And I I think that's a lot of it that that, that sustains me. It ain't nothing I will ever or could or even imagine ever doing. It's what's in my heart. And, you know, uh, the Lord told Samuel, he said, you know, David's brothers, well surely it's him, surely it's him. Sure no, 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 no. He said, man, you you're looking on the outward appearance. I'm looking at the heart. And I know he judges us by our heart and what's in our heart. And um he knows we're fallen. He knows that uh there's nothing we could ever do. And that is the very basis of our salvation or our need for a Savior, um, for that shed blood, that atoning blood. And uh, he knows very well before I sin, what I'm going to sin, when I'm going to do it. Uh, but the the difference is is there's no hardness there. Yeah, right. I still sin every day. I'm going to sin tomorrow. I can, I can prophesy right now. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to sin tomorrow. I guarantee I will. No. Uh, but it ain't, it ain't because I truly want to it's, it's being human it's being a fallen human and uh, you know he knows I'm going to come talk to him about it he knows I'm going to tell him you know daddy I'm I, I'm sorry I, I'm sorry I don't mean to be like this and I, I know in his mind uh, I ain't one of these people that tells you you know they hear the Lord speak to them you know in an audible voice but I know in my heart he's saying son it's okay That's why I sent my son. And uh, I thank you that you've apologized for it. And guess what? Here's the bonus. I don't hold it against you. From this second on, I really don't even know what you're talking about there. And uh, it's just beautiful. And, you know, people, like we was talking about the other night, people have taken the gospel of Jesus Christ and the something that is so simple. And they have complicated it so much. And that's what my grandfather knew that nobody else could ever figure out. Is it simple? I got a daddy in heaven. He's got a son that has shed his blood for me. We're family. If I can't talk to him like my daddy, what's good is it? You know, and he just took everything for face value. And the most amazing things I have witnessed. And I strive to be like that. And I fail miserably. I fail miserably. But I think if, Lord, if you'd give me just enough grace to, if not now, but in my latter years, be able to touch people like this man touched, Lord, what a stack of crowns would that be to lay at your feet one day? Um, you know, just cast all of these wonderful crowns before you because you are worthy and I am not. And I'm good with that. I am good with that. So if I got to sit here and try to tell you all the good things I've done in my life, it ain't going to make much of an interesting story. <laughs> Because you know yourself, well, given the opportunity, we're all self serving. It's all number one. And uh, that's what we need to run so far away from. Because I, I don't ever remember a self serving body in that man's uh, bone in that man's body. It was for everybody else. He wanted you to be happy, he wanted you to. Uh, and I, I think the Lord allowed these prayers to be answered like they did. So you could physically see that there was a difference between this man and you. And he didn't brag about it. And he had you, it put you in a position to come inquiring of this man. Uh, how do you do that? Oh, well, let me tell you one. I've done nothing. There's nothing I can do. I couldn't help you if I wanted to, but I know somebody that can, let me tell you about it. And he never missed the opportunity. Um, uh, it's, it's a big set of boots to fill, man. It really is. It really, really is. Well, I think you're doing it right
1: now, my friend.
2: Well, and I think this, I,
1: is, you I, know, I don't, hopefully, you know, with God's will and, and uh, always uh, the people that need to hear this will hear it. And, uh, you know, the, the the important message in all oh, this past couple hours is really, folks, has been the last... Five minutes. Uh, yes, yep. very interesting stories, but ultimately, uh, you know, our heavenly Father is the one that blesses you with an interesting life. Well, he protection. did.
2: And there was one other thing I wanted to say. I know I've gone long in the tooth on this thing. Um, I honestly think the the more you study, the more you read. Um, This may sound weird, but the the more comfortable you feel in your... uh, uh, There's nothing uncomfortable about God's relationship with me. Uh, I think we make our relationship with Him comfortable or uncomfortable, if you will, if that makes sense. But I think the more comfortable we become with Him when we really dumb it down and we take it back to the basics of how this thing's supposed to be, that he allows you to see these things because it builds your Christian character. Yeah. It's it strengthens you if it will if you will, and it's just the next level of him. Uh, and I don't know if I'm wording this right, um, but it not anything new age when I say this, but it your consciousness gets to experience a little more. And it's his way of saying, son, uh, when you read that word and Paul's telling you about what you struggle with, these are some of the things. Now, I think if the veil was completely ripped and i seen everything for what it was, I think it would fall completely collapsed like Daniel does. Yeah, you know, I, you
1: know. I believe so. I believe it would be so frightening and overwhelming. yeah, with, uh, yeah. Uh, your, Many uh, a heart would fail. I think uh, he's protecting us from by not seeing these things all the time but when they they are revealed to you i think it's it's a way of, of knowing and understanding that he really is protecting you
3: yes and you he really are
1: you are being sheltered from things that uh, uh that um, could be much things could be much worse i mean at some point in the future we know that it's it will be like the days of noah again and um so uh, i believe one of the reasons why we should talk about these things right now is because uh, more and more people are going to start seeing the veil ripped and seeing the, uh, the very scary side of, of what uh, has been hidden and we've been protected from. And uh, it, a lot of people just need to know that uh,
2: you're absolutely
1: right. your only protection, your only hope in any of this, is having abiding faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and having a relationship with our Heavenly Father, Abba Father. And really, it, it come to, to know that that's really that's what life's all about. Everything else is just, you know, I don't know. Some may say icing on the cake, or uh, I, a lot of it is just um, ourselves maybe wasting precious time. I don't know, but uh, you look at uh, a guy like uh, you or, or your your grandfather, and he's a, a skilled man, a talented man, a man that. Why was he all those things? That's he, he tells you why. He told you why. Yeah. Was it wasn't because of him, it was because of Heavenly Father and his relationship with him. And if That's you that. have one, you'll be blessed with different things, you know? And just oh, let, 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 let him guide your life instead of you trying to. To be in control of it you know what i mean um so uh, yeah it's been it's been a wonderful message and a wonderful wonderful uh couple hours and, uh um randolph i'm probably gonna end the recording now but you stay on you stay
3: okay
1: randolph from north carolina and uh one heck of a story and um but more it, it, more important i hope you folks hear the message and the and the message whether you feel as being preachy or not is uh I understand there was a time when I really the, the only thing that matters is having a personal relationship uh with your heavenly father and your abiding faith in what his, his his son, uh our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And uh, That's right. Um uh, you know, just believe. Even if it doesn't make a lot of sense, eventually it will all come. You'll start to understand. Believe me, you'll start to see reasons why he had to. The uh, Uh, story had to play out the way it did. I'm Uh, sure (laughs) will.
2: Well, Michael, I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity. Um, Like I said at the beginning, uh, there's people in my family that know about this stuff. Um, I can count on one hand the people outside of my family uh, in 51 years that I've told about this. Um, So, uh, like you said, I didn't do it for, you know, any. (laughs) We're not getting paid for this, (laughs) you know. uh, No, we're not. I I can honestly tell you uh, it's the truth. And I bet if you, you go back, I don't know if you took notes or recorded our first conversation, but I'll guarantee you she's spot on. From the last time, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And um, it, it's it, and
1: then, it, 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 it's hard to keep a lie. No, no, I know? didn't record. I didn't record. A well, little I the, didn't the mind if you did.
2: Um, well, no, but no. it's I, hard I just, to keep a lie, you know. Right. And the the truth is always there. It's easy to tell the truth, you know. Uh, it's easy to remember the truth, you know. But um, no, uh, I I, um,
1: I respect people's conf- confidentiality and. Uh, you know and i respect the fact that you are willing to actually uh be open and share this with people um because i you're not i'm i'm i know you're not alone in these kind of experiences and um that is the most important message of all and so um you know having a, a relationship with your creator
2: that's right uh, you know that's what
1: right. i mean and uh right. that's it and everything else will fall in place, and you'll be all right. And you know, if uh, if a stoma or a Bigfoot shows up and and raps on your side of your house, you don't have to worry about it. You're still no, protected.
2: I, I don't. I, don't. Um, I would like to see one one day. Um, there's none in my area that I've ever heard of uh, within a 150 mile radius. I guess. But um, I, I don't really desire an interaction with one or anything like that, but I would like to see one. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things I'd like to see, you know, um, but I know there's people out there that that they think they want to have interaction for the right reasons, uh, but ultimately in the end, it'd probably be the worst mistake they ever made. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, just out of curiosity, you know, just to to see one more level of what's there, um, you know, I think that would be very interesting. But I I don't want to trade gifts with it. I don't want to, <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Little, little offerings or whatever. No, Mama didn't raise that big of a fool. So, right. Uh, <laughs> well,
1: for, well, someone who who knows about living very close to a clan of them. And knowing that the vast majority of people around me don't even know this uh you know honestly it's not i, I i'm i glad i guess i i God you know if there's a reason why God opened up my eyes mm-hmm. but i i have no desire to see him again i don't I don't want to be friends with them I, I you know what I, I this is how I see it. I was talking to cat earlier did a show with her I recorded and and it comes down to this, you know what. They have their place and their space, and we have our place in our space. That's right. And uh, as long, I, they made it clear to me, you know, they know that I know, and as long as I stay out of their turf, I think we'll be all right. Yeah. So, And there's other battles to deal with anyways, more important things than seeing a booger, like a spiritual warfare that there's, there's yep. all sorts of entities all around that are… Threatening and, and and challenging people and wanting them to to destroy you and if yeah. you don't take that seriously, uh, that has to be first. You have to you know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We it's 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 spiritual. So yep.
3: um,
1: you know if you get to to see a Bigfoot, you're also going to end up seeing other things. So this is just the way it is. You're going to end yep. up seeing other entities and for whatever reason. Um, they, they open a window in our life of realizing that we're basically living in a world that's flea-infested uh, flea with uh, entities, <laughs> spiritualists. <Yes. laughs> yes. And that's You need you need the full armor of God, and you really do. And this is not about going to church, and this is not you know, and no. On a Sunday, this is this is a, this is the daily battle that all of us are in. Whether you want to believe in it or not, at some point in your life, if you want to, uh, you know, God select one of his children, um, you're going to find out anyways. You're not going to be able to run away like what happened to me. I don't, why God loves me, I'm the most undeserving of all. So I know that. I'm a terrible guy if it's left up to my own. I'm a womanizer. I used to be a drunk, and I used to be... Uh, super self-centered and a musician and uh, really egotistic and it was all about me. So, but he's, he's chasing me and, and, you know, it's, it's corrected me and has opened up my eyes to what's really important. And, um, and God, he's important <laughs> and I've been playing the fool the whole time and wasting precious time. So, um, but not anymore. So you know, well, shows like this can do more than just entertain you, folks. They can remind you of what's really important in life, and that's what my hope is. is it's, yes, it's, you know, now we're talking about money and making a name for yourself. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of easier ways to go about doing that. So, <laughs>
2: well, you know, like I said before, whatever you've done, uh, the, I, I, I have a full plate, you know, my own self, but whatever you've done. The second you ask for forgiveness of it, it's like, Michael, Rand, what are you talking about here? Now, hang on. When did this happen? You know. I know. You're washed,
1: washed with the blood of Christ, and you're a that's new right. creature. You're a new that's, creature, and, you, and you, he changes you. That's right. You, you know, what I once was, I am not today. it that's
2: all his work. It's just waiting. And if you can explain to me how far the east is from the west, uh... I'm listening because that's how far he said he'll cast our sins and you know, it's it's just amazing. It's amazing. And, uh, I hope I didn't come off preachy. That wasn't my intention. Um, but, uh, I've got something and if you don't have him, I, I wish you would, you would accept him because it's, uh, like I said before, I don't have the education to describe it to you. Uh, that relationship because it is the most pure the most beautiful life fulfilling thing you will ever do in your life um, yeah it is I so, don't know what it, to say other than that you know it's
1: let's just say amen, truth. Let's say amen to that and uh, with that folks uh, this uh, is Randall from North Carolina I got a feeling you'll be hearing from him again And uh, I hope so is old religion dystopia, knowing versus belief, and uh, God bless. You stay on, Randall, okay? With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com.